I'm a serial entrepreneur that's dedicated to being a force for good in the world. And the only reason I'm an entrepreneur is because that was the best path to do it. I don't have a lot of pride in whatever label you want to put on me today because I'm the same freaking Brittany that lived in her car is the same freaking Brittany that owns an island. And my worth, I have learned (laughs) very confidently is not in what you own. And you're born valuable. You're going to die valuable. Stuff is great. You can't take anything with you. And so how can we use every single thing as a tool to make the difference that you want to while you're here? Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. All right, guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. You're going to want to go ahead and share it with multiple people. This is an episode that you're going to want to post on your Instagram, share with friends, family, peers, partners, mentors. This is one of those podcast episodes that may be one of my favorite that we've done on the show. Before we get into the intro of today's guest, let's go over a couple of the small awards that she's won. Um, sixth fastest growing woman-owned company in the world, number three fastest growing urban company, Forbes Best in Business, 40 Under 40, 30 Under 30 in Nashville, Inspiring Woman of the Year Award by Forbes. Today's guest is insane. And those, ladies and gentlemen, are just her personal stats. She is the founder of multiple companies under the Aerial brand, which is her holding company, Aerial Development Group, Aerial Production Company, Aerial Global Community, the GeForce Mastermind. She bought a private island next to Richard Branson, uh, where she founded a retreat center. (laughs) She's worth over $100 million, well into the nine figures. And more importantly than all of this, she is the founder of the Aerial Recovery Group, which is a disaster relief organization. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Brittany Turner. And that is who we are speaking to today. And the best part about all of this is that she doesn't care about anything I just told you, besides the impact that she's creating on the world. You see, Brittany was not bred to be an entrepreneur. She started in ministry, and she actually started with impact in flying out at 12 years old to see some atrocities that were happening in Costa Rica and all around the world firsthand to the point where she was so driven by this that she went to survival school and got trained by special forces, special ops to be able to go fly in to these different countries and make an impact with her hands and feet like on the ground. But eventually she hit a roadblock in funding these operations and realized that real estate and entrepreneurship was the best way to get the most amount of money from other people's hands into her hands so that she could use it for good. And that's where Aerial Recovery Group came, where they take veteran-led special forces groups and they deploy them to disaster relief like in Maui with the wildfires they already are down. They've got boots on the ground and they're helping there. And they also send retired special forces operators out into the areas of the world where child trafficking and sexual abuse is happening. It's not only happening sometimes, it's happening frequently. And they go and assist local law enforcement agencies to take a stand and put a stop to this however they need to do it. So guys, She is on a grand mission to impact the world, and she's putting her freaking money where her mouth is. 
After listening to this podcast myself and conducting the interview, I realized that every vision that I've got is entirely too small and I need to make it 100 times grander to impact more people. And you guys will feel the same after listening to this interview. It is fantastic. We go over some very practical life advice, wealth building tips, and most importantly, ways that you can help change the world and use your economics for impact. So before we get into today's show, I want to issue a bit of a trigger warning. There are a couple instances in today's episode, some stories that Brittany witnessed firsthand that are very graphic and very terrible and sad, and it's going to piss you off to listen to. Um, And it made me upset to listen to, and I didn't take them out of the show. I left them in because we all need to know what's happening, and Brittany experienced it firsthand. So just know, uh, as you're listening to today's episode, there's amazing, amazing bits of information and advice and so many nuggets to take away. But just know that there are some times in this that are going to be upsetting, and I wanted to go ahead and lead with that so you guys know. Uh, But this is a very important episode to listen to, and I hope that you share it with a lot of people and enjoy it as much as I enjoyed conducting the interview. So without any further ado, Brittany Turner. Wow. Brittany Turner, Wonder Woman, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So now I have a new frame of reference that I applied to my day. I look at what I'm doing and I ask myself, am I stressed today? And then I just ask, what would Brittany Turner do? And <laughs> I know that you would probably do a hundred times more than me, like lifting your pinky finger. So now I'm like, okay, cool. This is, I've got this. This is cake. So I'm so excited to dive into your story today. You are someone that has been probably the most recommended person to me from people that I respect. And these are entrepreneurs at like the eight, nine figure level. These guys just come back out of nowhere and text me and say, hey, we just left this random remote island. There's this woman. Her name's Brittany. She's changing the world. You need to know her. And this Mm -hmm. has happened for about six months now. And then my friends Calvin and Jenny joined your mastermind. And I was like, okay, I got to do whatever it takes. I'll send messenger pigeons. I don't care. We need to have her on the show. So I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Perfect. I want to start with a quote that's on your website. And I think it's a great place to start the conversation today. Your main like tagline on your website is, I turn dreamers into doers into world changers. And one of my favorite quotes that I run my life off of is, vision without action is a daydream and action without vision is a nightmare. I just wanted to let you riff on that and see what your perspectives on vision and creating the action to support it are. I think that's, I think it's very accurate. I'm not into just saying, I'm a dreamer, I'm a dreamer. Now let's get ish done. Let's get it done. You've got one life. How are you planning to take action steps towards the attainment of that worthy goal? Is it a worthy goal? Are you clear that's the worthy goal for you? Or are you doing things because people told you to? And this all stemmed from the fact that I've been wanting to do missions since I was 12 years old Mm -hmm. and I've gone on mission trips from 12 on. And every time I've gone on these different mission trips, I've come back even more pissed off and I'm angry because of the atrocities I see happening to innocent people. And what the only solution I have found to being able to actually put a dent in so many of the things that I care so much about I thought it was just sex trafficking, but then it just kept, how do you ignore this? This is the only way to actually get this many things done is to find the people who have the resources, the means, the capabilities, and wake them up. Americans specifically 
are just so incredibly blessed to have the access that we do. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have to be American, but you're just incredibly blessed to have access that you do. And with that access, you can be learning things like you're going to learn on this podcast. And you have been learning on this podcast on how to organize those desires in your heart, the things you care so much about, the things that take you to heightened levels of anger or sadness and move you. And they move you because you're called to to do something about it. And that's the way in which you get to express your love in this planet. And so how do we wake those people up to show them how powerful they are, how much of a difference they can make to eliminate the suffering they feel so passionate about? And that's, that is what I've shifted my life to be is it was mm. just about, I was doing the Elon Musk approach. I'm not Elon Musk, but I, <laughs> which is, this is my business and my business is the vehicle to change the world. And so I did that for almost 10 years until I realized this is so much bigger than me. How do I help mm. other people and then create a ripple effect through everybody being lit on fire? Talk about flow versus force when it comes to the context of your vision. <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing my research, Brittany. You think I was just yeah. going to come in here just swinging? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I'm still learning this because I'm very much a force person. <laughs> I, I got that. <laughs> very people like, the door didn't open. I was like, kick the door in. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> just kick it in. And I think that no excuses attitude has its place because most people give up at the first obstacle in my experience. And they waste all the stuff. And I was raised where if it doesn't just happen for you, then it's God shut the door. And I'm like, it hasn't happened because it's difficult or because evil is very organized and good people fight over the dumbest crap. Flow versus force means how do you get in alignment with your calling? How do you start, how do you start synergizing all these other pieces of your life to where things start just compounding? Versus just flopping around like a dying fish with no vision and mm -hmm. just hoping things work out for you and then just being mad when they don't. Some, something that's helped me so far was I've got a baby business, which we'll do 1.3 million this year in its first year, which is in the Go Abundance world and in your world, like small potatoes, which is I always want to be the dumbest person in the room. Yep. And, and starting this, a lot of get to's become have to's. Yeah. And a lot of coulds get become goods. <laughs> and so I really liked your message. It's refreshing and almost reassuring to know that those feelings don't really go away depending on what level. You can't out-earn those feelings. It's mm -hmm. just like you get better at managing them and shifting your perspective, correct? Perspective is everything. That's why I named every company I have Ariel. And that's to keep the big picture in, view, in mind, remembering this is not just about you. This is about we're part of something bigger than us. And how do I get to play that in my one chance on earth? Not just like today is this obstacle or this high. It's mm. so much more than that. And it all rolls up to being that. And that's why it is so important to have that long-term vision. It is so important to have a reason why you're doing it. Because if you're just doing it for money, there's only so much crap you can buy. Stuff breaks. <laughs> it's not what you thought it was. It's harder than you imagined. So life is just not about the stuff. It's about those desires in your heart, which is why, again, those are clues to your calling and you're not going to be happy or fulfilled until you are doing those things. Now, those mm. things are normally tied to serving people or the planet in some way that makes it better. 
I'll just give you a clue. It's not a desire to go drink or eat a bunch of chocolate cake. Those are not the desires I'm talking about. I'm talking about those deep-rooted ones that move you. And so if I can help you with anything on a clue to figuring that out, the best exercise that I learned when I was 17 is to write your eulogy. And the reason that matters is one, you realize your mortality and that you're not going to be here forever. And then you are gifted with the freedom that people that have terminal illness get, which is the freedom to actually do what you care about, to say what you really want to say, to let people know, because you understand the consequences are what are they? You're going to go, you're going to be gone anyway. It's not an excuse to be mean to anybody. It's more, normally people actually share how much they love somebody. And, uh, and so not only do you have that freedom, you get rid of all the should, get all the should mm-hmm. out of your life is what I like to say. Oh, especially women. We just live in constant guilt. I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And I'm not good enough at this, whatever. None of that actually matters, especially if you're imagining you're at your funeral and you're watching or listening to what is said about you. And the best way to do it isn't just to listen and imagine that you're trying to impress other people in the room. Pretend you don't know anybody in the room, but you get to hear what is said about the story of your life. And you get to ask yourself, how do I go from where I am today to making that story reality? And so I've got a whole system that I made for me. I don't freaking make it for anybody else. I'm now sharing it in my mastermind, but the whole thing is, all right, if that's true in imagine it being 40 years, 20 years, however long you think you're going to make it. Where do I need to be? What's my waypoint in the next five years to making that story true in 20? What's my next, where do I need to be in one year to make that five year story true? Where do I need to be in the next quarter to make that one year story true? What do I have to drop now that has the potential of ruining everything? So if you're in a toxic relationship and you have this vision of being happily married for 47 years, are you scared to be alone or do you need to adjust it? So it's not, are you the toxic reason? Are you just being catty? Cause you don't have a long-term vision of things. Again, just the Warren Buffett quote is if you knew you only had one car for the rest of your life, you're going to take care of it better. Same thing with your body. Same thing with your relationships. Like having that long-term vision is going to change everything for you. What do you need to drop? What limiting beliefs, what relationships, what mindset, what habits, are blocking you from making that story reality. And then just begin to align your life 1% at a time until you are at whatever point during that, towards that destination, (laughs) making the difference. You are happy. You are fulfilled. You're increasing the numbers of impact or giving or whatever you care about the most along the way. And then at one point you are going to die. You're going to freaking die. It's the only thing guaranteed. And they're going to forget about you. You're not just going to die. You're going to be forgotten. And that's actually cool because it's like, it takes the ego out. It's not, this is not about me. I will die and be forgotten. So why not freaking go for it? Yeah. Why not? How many people, how many people are, it's, it's funny because it's not actually, I feel it's not actually like a fear of failure that holds people back. It's fear of the judgment of failure, right? We're wired that way because if we were kicked out of the village, in the past, we would die. Be dinosaurs, disease, <laughs> all the things. So it's important the village likes you back in the day. It's a little less important now because we can just move somewhere bluer and warmer. Yeah. 
It's funny because I just posted a newsletter the other day and I said, we're all just meat puppets, just giant meat puppets walking around a floating rock in an infinite yeah. spinning universe. And we're over here not doing what we actually want to do because we're afraid of the opinions of people that aren't even thinking about us at all. Or shouldn't be. I don't no. think about the lives of all these other people very often. And I definitely don't have time to sit around and talk crap about them because I'm so busy with my life and my dreams and what we're doing together and being a force for good and all the people who need help. Not How could I... People who have time to sit around and just judge is like they don't have enough going on anyway. <laughs> kind of pathetic. Yeah, I love that one. You've got a very interesting perspective on this. And it's just... For me, I'd like to dive into this because there's not many people I feel like that have too much of an issue with this that listen to this podcast, but this is really good, generally applicable advice. So you come from ministry, you come from the church. A lot of people that come from the church, I'm Christian myself, have a subconscious disdain for wealth. I read all about your upbringing, your childhood, you were working five jobs throughout high school. You were just an action taker from the get go. And it's, I didn't, I wasn't raised with much or anything at all as well. So it's just like people look at what their parents made. And they have this vision where they say, I'm going to go on these mission trips. I'm going to go change the world. I'm going to go do these things. But I'm going to cap myself at $40,000 a year. I don't want to pursue the material stuff, the material wealth. That's a worldly game. I'm playing a different spiritual game. But you have combined capitalism with church almost and made something much more impactful. So can you speak to those people? Because that's a very interesting intersection that I find you at. Yeah, it's just dumb to think that. <laughs> it's, this is yeah, I agree. <laughs> $40,000 is the holy metric that literally only depends on where you were born and what you grew up with and your perspective of wealth. Because if you were born in Haiti, your opinion of the number 40000 is very different than if you're born in Dubai. And so understanding that if you believe in God, the creator of the infinite universe, the planets beyond our wildest imagination, that whose son said he came to give you life and life more abundantly, then you'll recognize that money is fake and it's mm -hmm. simply an expansion tool of the heart. And it's part of just how society moves around. And if you have more of it, you can do more of more good things if you have a good heart. And if you're a butthole, you can be an even bigger jerk to people because you don't have to suck up to them. So it's not real anyway. So why not have the means and resources to live outside your own selfish bubble? Because how holy is it? How Likely are you to be the hands and feet of God when people need it most? Because he always uses a vessel if you can barely pay your freaking bills. And so I really yeah. believed it was holy to just say, all I need is enough to be able to provide for myself and my family. Until I realized that's the most selfish thing I could ever say. Because I showed up at a hurricane and I watched how people are literally stabbing each other in grocery store lines to be able to feed their kids. And I watched how wealthy entrepreneurs who were not godly, quote unquote, literally provided and were the answered prayer for all these people who had lost everything. It's just a few entrepreneurs. And that's when it really clicked for me. It's like, they're praying. I don't have the means to do anything about it. 
And I could actually be the biggest blessing in somebody's life if I had the means. And that was, I should have had the means, but that wasn't a season I had just literally lost everything in my life. (laughs) That's when I was inspired. If people who say they're not Christians are being the hands and feet of God, then why the freak are the Christians not stepping up? And it is hard. We got the scriptures with the eye of the needle, camel with the eye of the needle, and it's easier the rich man. The point is the wealth, you will know them by their fruits, not the fruits they talk about. And if you are God's hands and feet with the wealth that you've been given, and you can be even more powerfully God's hands and feet with additional wealth, like you should do it if that's part of your calling. And I imagined from 12 to almost 20, I was going to be the missionary in Africa with the long skirt holding the babies. Like I did not plan on living in more than a mud hut, but it's been incredibly helpful to be able to do something about it. We are now rescuing kids that are being raped every day, who are being tortured and mentally tormented as well, being told their worth is this and having to have reconstructive surgeries because they're so tortured. And I want to save every single person on the planet. I want to save every, if I could, and what does it take? It takes freaking money to go pull that off. And I do own really beautiful, nice, wonderful assets. And I have a really amazing life, which is a tremendous blessing. And it is my choice that I end up using all those assets as a force for good. I don't think God would love me more or less if I didn't, but I just know what I care about. And so why would I not use those assets as a force for good? So again, it's all perspective. It is all perspective. Where if you are daring say somebody's wealthy, that is your perspective of wealthy. Somebody else would say they're a peasant. And so get clear on what you're supposed to do. Get clear on what God has for you and then figure out that number and go make that. And that is a holy pursuit in my opinion. Mm. Last thing on that. Sorry, last. Hey, no, you go. (laughs) They're not here for me. I promise you. (laughs) Money is your God when it's all you can think about because you don't have it. Oh, (laughs) there we go. Oh, my gosh. I heard a quote, I think it was from Naval, where he said, let's get everyone rich so that they can know that money was never the answer to happiness. (laughs) So let's get everyone rich first so that you can have the perspective. Yeah. We have our Healed Heroes program and we just had our all women's platoon last week. And so I just came in from that last night and I look across the room and I've said, our goal is to make you rich as crap and healthy as healthy as you possibly can be because we know how important you are. We know what skill set you have. You are the capable ones on this planet for saving lives and stopping evil. So it matters that you get this right and this right. So you have the time, freedom, and energy to go rescue these kids. And we've saved over 8,000 people in the last 24 months. And that's all veteran-led. And most of those veterans, when we met them, were suicidal or addicts because they did not see their purpose. These capable, qualified, amazing people, just like the people listening right now, don't see how much of a difference you can make if you just stop freaking drifting. If you just wake up and start living in your potential, and there's so much joy in that. 
God, I love this. Yeah, this is exactly why we have the podcast. I want to get into the mission. I want to get into it like extraordinarily in depth here shortly. And I want to go through your entire process with your trip to Costa Rica and then how we did everything. But first, I want to hit on exactly what you're talking about, which is the difference between the people that make these grand visions happen and the people that just talk about them and post them in motivational Facebook quotes. So you're talking about wealth generation. And we haven't even properly introduced you. <laughs> to, and just for people to know, we'll do an intro at the very beginning where I'll read off like your rap sheet here. I'm curious, how would you introduce yourself right now? Oh, In your words. <laughs> it changes, uh, right? What'd you say? It changes, right? It does change. Yeah, it changes. I'm a serial entrepreneur that's dedicated to being a force for good in the world. And... The only reason I'm an entrepreneur is because that was the best path to do it. I don't have a lot of pride in whatever label you want to put on me today because I'm the same freaking Brittany that lived in her car is the same freaking Brittany that owns an island. And my worth, I have learned <laughs> very confidently, is not in what you own. And you're born valuable. You're going to die valuable. Stuff is great. You can't take anything with you. And so how can we use every single thing as a tool to make the difference that you want to while you're here? So let's go back to Brittany when you were growing up and you were, you had the mud hut mentality. We'll mm -hmm. call it the mud hut mentality where you're like, okay, I've same, vi same vision, same mission, same purpose, different trajectory and application, right? So what happened what event happened? What scenario, what season of life occurred for you to transition from? You were a hard worker, but now you're like, I'm going to begin this real estate development thing. I'm going to begin this entrepreneurship journey because I'm going to use this money for a force of good and not get out of my way. Yeah, that's the get out of my way. You nailed it. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> a good attitude to have. I encourage other people to have it, not from anger, but just be decisive. And know that there's a reason that people haven't done it before. And it's probably because it's not easy. And it's not easy until you make it easier for the next person. So at 12 years old, I was homeschooled, raised on a farm, one of six kids. And very sheltered, <laughs> which was great. We had a wonderful childhood. But my grandma showed a video to the family at well, when I was 12 on sex trafficking. And the opening scene is this like eight-year-old little girl getting driven to a motel and Java the freaking hut basically is in there ready to rape her. And you hear her screaming and clawing towards the door. It's horrible. And then the ending scene, I don't even know the name of this video because it's been so long, but the ending scene is her with 50 other girls in a container in the middle of the ocean and they all die. That's the video. And... I wish that was an over-dramatized movie, but it's extremely accurate. And we have seen it with our own eyes, like how she, that's not, a, that's not trying to scare you or say, oh, no, Sound of Freedom, that movie is the tamest thing you're ever going to see. That was so tasteful and very well done <clears throat> to even wake people up to the fact it happens, let alone if no idea how often this happens. And it's every day, every country, every community in the world. And, and we need to do something about it. So at 12, I woke up to the fact that suffering like that is taking place. I wasn't like dumb or oblivious. I just 
didn't grow up around it. We were America poor, but have never seen the kind of things that take place overseas. And so I just started like looking into how can I do something about it? And this vision of being a missionary in Africa was the biggest I could think of because I knew based on commercials, <laughs> that was the like place that people needed help. Ooh. Sorry, I'm pregnant. I guess yawning is just a thing that happens all the time. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And so I thought that was the where I was most needed. And so that became my like vision from 12 to 18. And I would go on these different mission trips every summer. And like I said, I just got more and more angry because I would see more and more issues. Yes, sex trafficking is still like the worst one to me. But we've now seen like child sacrifice. We meet... And you can see the statistics online of millions of children dying every year from lack of clean water. Guess what? Do you have clean water, Brian? Yeah. You're not going to die of a waterborne disease if you happen to drink the water out of your sink, right? So we as humanity have figured this out. We've figured out how to solve so many of the problems, especially the ones that are rooted in economic desperation. Like we've figured this out. So it's not like an America problem or a Jamaica problem or a Honduras problem. Like we are all God's children and we need to work together to fix these things, especially when it's been solved. It's like England solving cancer and telling no one. Yeah. That would be horrible. And we'd all be pissed. The same thing's happening in other ways. So <clears throat> anyway, so I'm going on these different mission trips and I'm seeing all these atrocities. And I just, there's always a moment of overwhelm that you have the opportunity to quit on your calling when you realize how big the issues are. Sometimes you're like, mm -hmm. can I really make a difference or should I just live for myself? And the answer is, who cares? Like, just go for it. If I spent the rest of my life and I only ever helped rescue one kid, was it worth it? Brian, if it was your daughter, would it be worth it? Yeah, absolutely. It matters. And you wouldn't get a lot of donations that way, but <laughs> you have to know the ripple effect of your actions and that it's bigger than you and beyond your lifetime. Settle it in your heart that it's worth doing it for the one, but you're not going to stop at the one, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. from 12 on, I'm going to all these different countries and I'm seeing these suffering and I am overwhelmed by it and I am upset by it. And at 17, I went through a survival school in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was led by a Green Beret, some Army Rangers, and an Australian survivalist. And I remember I immediately fell in love with the Green Beret. He's, he didn't look at me because he's like just <laughs> older and like this other person. But I was just like, oh my gosh, a man with real skills. He's so attractive. He knew everything. He was amazing. And he taught us so much and made us these incredibly like just hardcore students. And and I remember, because again, I've never been around military before in my life. But he was my first exposure to it. And I was massively impressed. But the summer after we graduated, he went in the woods and shot himself. And I was like, what? This does not compute. How could somebody with this many skills and this big of a heart eliminate themselves? That does not make sense. I'm very practical. 
And that stuck with me for many years, but I didn't, again, that was my only interaction with somebody in the military, <clears throat> but it didn't make sense. So when I tell you I get frustrated or angry, it's not like I live with that because I think that's a really bad fuel. But if something upsets me, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not just going to be like, well, that's just life. I'm a, a thoughts and prayers. Like, yeah. Thoughts yeah, and prayers just, to you. I'm an assumption, assume responsibility kind of person. I'm like, I'm going to do something about it. So I have to limit what I find out about because I'll just keep doing something about it. So anyway, the culmination exercise at the survival program that I was part of is they dropped us in Costa Rica and said, go find a way to create value. And so we put on a women's conference, which sounds fancier than it was. We were really in like a mud hut, not a mud hut, like a mud hut and tin roof kind of building. And it was amazingly precious. But the, at the very end, we got to pray over everybody that was there. And I asked this little girl her name. She was the very last person that I got to talk to and she couldn't speak. I was like, okay, translator, what, what's going on? And she ends up that she was so horrifically sexually abused as an infant that her vocal cords were destroyed. And then obviously I was very upset and mad. And I found out that it was her father that did this to her. A person that's supposed to protect you. And then I was even more upset when I found out that one out of every four kids in this remote village died before they turned one from sexual abuse from their father. It was socially acceptable there that fathers can just break in their daughters. And if, anyway, I went back to my tent that night and I got on my knees and I said, God, whatever it looks like, I want to be the one that does something about this. And I heard loud and clear I'm going to take you out of the mission field. And I'm going to put you in business. Now, again, I was somebody who hated rich people at the time because I thought that they weren't doing God's work. And I thought it was bad to be rich. And I thought that business is so boring. Why would I get into that? I'm like this hardcore chick. And so I immediately was like, no, God, anything, but that's so boring. Imagine like the you're yeah, you're in the jungle. You're like you're in Costa Rica. You're like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in a office building. A suit wearing woman on Wall Street, like me? Oh, that sounded terrible. So <laughs> I was reluctant, but I just heard what God said. And I do remember driving back on the bus <clears throat> and thinking about how big the problem was and realizing I had less than $20 in my bank account. And so it started to click that if you really do want to make a difference in something, you're going to need resources to do it. And so... I came back and there was this guy teaching in my class and he was a multimillionaire. So I skipped the first day of him teaching. Cause again, I was like, I don't need to know what he has to say. It's just stupid. <laughs> Rich people don't go to heaven. I ended up in his class anyway. <laughs> so God, in, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, dang, he's teaching for multiple days. And I'm in the back, like, mapping out a missionary training base on how you like create this, like your own army of these tough people that can go anywhere into these austere conditions anyway. So I was in the back doing what I thought was God's work. And he finally said, who in here has been on a mission trip? And I was like, me. He said, who in here 
has had to fund that mission trip. And I was like, also me. And he said, who did not like that process? And he's like, I did. I hated it because our friends were so poor. We'd spend more money on stamps asking for money than people would send back to us. And so he said, did you know you can buy a house with no money down? And if your mortgage payment is $900 a month, but you rent it out for $1,200 a month, you get to keep that $300. It's a thing called cash flow. And I was like, go on. He said, do that 10 times and you don't have to ask anybody for money. You can live in Africa. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the way. And so the part I want to point out to everybody listening is A, there's always a way to fund your calling and B, may you have the mentality that no one, sh- no one can ever cap your calling. I have since learned that we are better together. And it's very helpful when this person donates, these people are the operators. We can do more if we work together and having donations. But for the first, I don't know, until Ukraine last year, I was the only donor to what we did. And that was out of pride reasons because I didn't want to ask anybody else for money. And now I realized, holy crap, we just have so many things that we can do. We're so effective. This is bigger than me. But in the beginning, I do like the idea. And I want to share that with y'all that you can make your own money. You don't need to mooch off somebody else. You don't need to be sucking up to some old dude. Like how can you find a way to create enough value in the world that you produce enough income to be able to provide for more than just yourself and your family, but also your calling. And that's a wonderful mentality to have. So at 18, I went out and bought my first house, which sounds easier than it was. It was 2000, late 2007. I don't know if you remember what was going on then. Perfect time. I'm so glad that you were able to just easily breeze through that. (laughs) There's just no loan. The market's starting to crash and burn, but it had just been such a winning thing to be part of real estate that it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, everybody said you can do really well in real estate. (laughs) Where's it at? Like this doesn't make sense since the loan was just harder to get and all these different things. Long story short, I ended up finally buying that house right before the giant economic fallout of real estate. And yeah, it was not a good time to get in. (laughs) Brittany, over all of this, over your entire real estate investing career, which if we had more time, we'd get into it, but that would probably be about 27 hours of podcast (laughs) to talk about everything you've done in business. But what I want to highlight more than anything so we can punctuate this and move into how everyone that's listening to this episode that's super pissed off right now by the things that you're saying, what they can do about it and how they can help alongside you shoulder to shoulder. But a a key takeaway, if I'm taking anything away from this episode, is that it's all about exposure because you went uh, on both sides of the spectrum because you went from that day where you were buying your first house, you lived in your car and you worked, you were working at Cheesecake Factory, right? And you worked like nine months for these real estate investors to get fully immersed and exposed to their world for free, correct? Yes. So you do all of that. And we talk about that level of exposure on this podcast 24-7, getting around these people that are up at the top of the game. How do I get in their world? How do I lead with value? But now after listening to this podcast, I realized that the opposite exposure is equally impactful and important because had you not been exposed to all of these atrocities and all of these issues, which is like even me listening to, I'm sure it's very difficult for a lot of people listening to in their car right now. If we had been exposed to that, if we had seen that firsthand, like 
how much more impact would we be like leading with? We would also have that get out of my way mentality because we understand and we're all coddled. So it's exposure on both ends of the spectrum, I realize is important. So to get around those mentors, but also see firsthand with your own eyes what's happening out there. So Brittany, people are pissed off right now. How can they help? I think that exactly what you're saying. I have a perspective that gives me an edge. It gives me an edge in business. Mm. It gives me an edge with dealing with problems. It it gives me an edge in having beautiful relationships because I know what a problem is. It gives me an edge as a person. And that's because I've witnessed what I call real problems. And and so I do challenge you to find a way to not just go witness it and be a tourist, but find a way to go serve in desperate areas because you're going to come home and realize my problems aren't so bad. I can do this. It's a lack of motivation half the time. But then also what you're saying, Brian, is finding a way to get in the room. That's probably the most important piece of wisdom we could leave you today is there is something about proximity to the people who are doing what you want to do and who have accomplished it. And listening to their podcasts is a wonderful, definitely great way to start. And it's free. Buying their books is amazing. But if you can find a way to be in the room it does something to your subconscious, shifts what's possible for you. Great wisdom. I don't want you to blow through that, Brian. So thank you for sharing that. But if you are upset about the things we're talking about, I'm sorry because I'm used to it now. Sadly, the cheapest we've found kids is you can buy a kid. We found a whole community. You could buy a kid for 24 hours, do whatever you want to them for $7. Like horrible what's going on out there. And so what we do with our nonprofit is we repurpose veterans and first responders. Like it's called heal the heroes. Those are the heroes in our community. We repurpose veterans and first responders to not only want to live and be powerful forces for good, starting in their own home, but also to go save lives and stop evil. And so we repurpose them to go do disaster response. We've got a team that landed in Maui yesterday and are already out there working to save lives. And then the disaster relief <clears throat> is our one of our main pillars. And then we have anti-trafficking. So we go do rescue missions. If you've seen Sound of Freedom, it's very similar to the way those look. And that is our mission. And we have hundreds of heroes going through our program, on average 100 a year, which has been our dream. And then we are deploy- we're training them and then deploying them to go do these missions that nobody else can do. And if you're looking to serve with your own hands and feet or use your resources <clears throat> to make a difference, reach out. We will. We have a huge volunteer corps. You don't have to have been a veteran to do it. So let us know and we can get you trained and deployed. But if you're looking to, you're pissed off and you're like, what is my purpose? What do I want to do? Do that eulogy exercise. Listen to, continue listening to this podcast. There's so much wisdom in here. And find a way to, again, organize your life, your finances, your health, elevate all those things so that you can be the more powerful force for good. I do host summits on the island that help people align with what I call the pillars of success. Do you have a vision for your life? That's our dream summit. If not, you can go get clear on that. Do you have your wealth in alignment with your long-term calling? That's our abundance summit. Are your relationships functioning? 
you're not going to be very good to anybody if your relationships suck. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing more distracting than a bad relationship other than disease. Love is our relationships one. Strength is our physical one. And presence is how you actually learn how to hear the voice of God guide you in your life. And I invite you guys to attend those. But thank you very much, Brian, for having me on this podcast. I'd love to be a resource for anybody listening that is excited to grow. And the biggest thing I can tell you right now is stop beating yourselves up. Stop wasting your time trying to attack yourself or think that you're nothing or you're not helping anybody because that's a giant distraction and a waste of time because the world does need you. You are here for a reason and you can be a powerful force for positive change. Just takes a couple tweaks, starting with how you think about yourself. Oh my goodness. And that is a hell of a podcast episode right there, ladies and gentlemen. Brittany, we've got, I haven't done a formal study, but just knowing who listens to this podcast, we got a couple billion dollars of collective net worth that listen to the show. If they are, where can they find you? What website can they go to sign up for these summits? Or if they feel inclined to donate as well, yeah. where can uh, they go? BrittanyTurner.com has a lot of different stuff on it. It can show you how to a, come to the summits. It's got resources and it's got the nonprofit on there as well. But Ariel Recovery, A-E-R-I-A-L Recovery.org is the nonprofit. And if you're somebody who wants to host your own event that and have fun, then anybody who books the island, 10% of every booking from a room to the whole thing actually goes to these nonprofit initiatives. So you can be a force for good and go spend time on a beautiful island at the same time. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah, I love it. And then I also connected with this other gentleman, Jeremy Locke. That's one of the guys you work with, right? That's my husband. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was messaging him. I said he has the coolest, he has the coolest Instagram name I've ever heard. It's locked and loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. I, yeah. I was talking to him. I was like, I need to have him on here too to share everything that's going. Oh, hell, power couple. I'm one step ahead of yeah. you, Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, we, he made the nonprofit what it is. It was always impactful. But when he integrated the veteran piece of it, he's a 20 year, 20 year army veteran, 10 years green beret. And look at how that turned out, huh? Missing piece of the calling on my life. <laughs> Having your purpose partner is a really big deal, people. And a game yeah. change. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. I know you got to jump to your next one. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for the light that you're shining on the world and shining on this issue. Thank you for the ripple effect that you're creating. I got to go redo my vision now. I got to go 100 times harder. So thank you so much. You get to. I love it. Let's go. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Well, that's been Brittany and Brian with the Action Academy podcast signing off. Go do something, people.